the victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. Even in the absence of clear evidence, based on how I was seeing things, seeing myself, my reticular activating system was framing the whole thing as the failure of a lifetime, and I had the habitual thought process to back it up. I had the people to blame, the guy that shouldn't have kicked me that hard when we were just warming up. Like all like I, I had the villains, man. I had the villains and then and then my final villain was um my genetics, which was, you know, I, I wish I was as good of a an athlete as my father. Yeah, it, it compounded itself. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today is fun. It's a lot of fun. The intro might have been a little long. And you saw the name of this podcast. It's the same tattoo I have on my arm. Language is everything. It creates everything. It creates our life. It creates the results of our life. It creates everything around us or takes from us. So today, my guest is Mark England. He's, you know what? Just a, just, you know what? You ever meet somebody and you go, man, I'd love to just hang with this person. That's, that's what I felt about Mark just from the very beginning. Like this guy's got a really cool confidence, like a really cool attitude. He knows his stuff and I'd love to hang with the guy and I'll make that happen. I will absolutely make that happen. You know, what's really cool is when his, his bio came over, I just thought, man, he knows abracadabra and I live my life by this. That's why I got it tattooed on me. Like I live my life by with these words, I will create limitless possibilities for my life and the lives of others. Our business model is created around that same concept and it's become very successful and I'm, I'm a huge proponent. So today we're going to talk all about language, the power of language. We're going to get Mark's story. We're going to get the victim mentality and how people just live their lives with these stories they tell themselves. Look, let's break this thing down into two components. There is whatever happened to you in your life, right? The events, the experiences you've had, the process you've gone through. And the other side of that is the story that you are weaving and telling yourself about that thing that happened. That's it. That's how your whole life is broken down. The results that you have for your life are based on the story you're telling yourself around something that happened to you. Your parents loved you or didn't love you. You did well in school. You didn't do well in school. You were the fat kid, the skinny kid. You got onto the football team. You didn't. You got the job. You didn't. You got into college. You did like all those things. They add up. This episode is freaking long. It's like an hour. I don't know, 16 or something, an hour 11. And I would suggest listening to this thing. It's an hour, 16, 56 hours, 17 minutes. Listen to it. Break it up if you have to. It gets better as it goes. It gets more info and more info. And Mark and I pick up steam and pick up momentum as we go. So I'm going to read you Mark's bio. We're going to get rolling into this thing because it's long. Uh, Really quickly, if you haven't already, join our mental purpose community. Join our Quitters Club. It's the Quitters Club community on Facebook. Tons of great stuff in there. Look, at the end of the day, what you've got to quit is you've got to quit telling yourself the story that is keeping you in that motion and not having the results you want. That's what our Quitters Club will do for you. Want to come to a Quitters Club retreat, join one of our masterminds. We will help you with a formula and a structure and a framework to get out of and quit the shit that's not serving you and build the life you truly want to build. The life you truly want to live. 
Yes, I'm passionate about it. Yes, that was a pitch. Get over it. You're going to learn a lot from this episode. I'm allowed to pitch you once. It's not a pitch either. It's enrollment. So here's the thing about Mark, and let's get rolling. Okay, Mark England is a TEDx speaker. He's the co-founder and head coach of Enlifted. He's been researching, coaching, and presenting on the power of words and stories for the past 15 years. Mark holds a master's degree in education and was an elementary school PE teacher before getting into personal development. There's a ton of fun facts about Mark. Like he has a AK-47 collection and he's been on 286, I think it's like 292 podcasts. And he, the guy's just awesome. Just listen, okay? Get into this thing. Love you. love having you here. I, I, I just really appreciate all of your support and the emails and the, the DMs that you, you send. It means a lot. This is very fulfilling work for me and for Aaron and all the rest of our crew. And I feel very honored that I get to be on this mic every week with another great guest, influencing and impacting your life in some positive, powerful, and purposeful way. That is my mission in life, and I love it. So thank you for listening. Enjoy this episode. All right. Second shot at this, buddy. <laughs> here's, here's, what, here's what just got me hooked on your one sheet right away. We were talking about the power of words, the power of language, the power of stories. And ironically, now that I see you in person, you know, I just, I just loved what, what it said on that. And I was like, I mean, I, this guy and I, we could have a really good combo. And then I just told you, I remember why it's because I have a tattoo of abracadabra on my arm and you pulled up your necklace that says abracadabra on it. And we're just, we're bonding over that. So today that's what we're going to do, man. Welcome to the mental purpose podcast and let's bring it. Let's do this. Thanks for having me, Ian. Thanks everybody for listening. Of course. Yeah. We're, we're, um, man, I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to just be a Yenta on this mic and talk to cool ass people and have other people positively affected by it. It's such a, it's such a blessing, honestly, as cheesy as that sounds. It really is. I, I wish for this. I wish for a couple of things to live in Southern California, to wear a t-shirt every day and jeans and to just coach and host a podcast every day. That's what I wanted my life to be. And that's what my life is. You know why? Because I set it into existence. Dude. There's, <laughs> there's, that's, um, so I'm living down in, in Vilcabamba, Ecuador in 2012. It's a uh, small, it's about 2,000 people, mountain town uh, in, the, in the middle of the southern tip of the Andes Mountains in Ecuador good start to a story and i'm out to lunch yeah. with friends and there's a guy uh, uh i tell the story a lot i've and, and I, I met him twice forgot his name doesn't matter uh we're at lunch and he goes he knew he, he knew the, the line of work i'm in he goes hey man you know what abracadabra means and i'm mid-bite and i'm like yeah 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 magic he goes no no it's a little more to it than that and he said, abracadabra, y'all can look this up, it's true. Abracadabra is Aramaic, which is an old language. It's still spoken in parts of the Middle East today. It's the language the original Old Testament was written in. And it translates to with my word I create or with my word I influence. He said that, and I got the hair on the arms, hair on the back of the neck. I got up, went over and sat next to him. I said, dude tell me everything you know. And, uh, the, the, the teachers of the day 
would triangulate abracadabra and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism, the mechanics of words and stories, the power and the mechanism of, of, of language, because they knew that if they got their language working for them, then they could go on to do extraordinary things. And they knew that if their language was working against them, and which most people's language is working against them today, I say that definitively, personally and professionally, I say that definitively after working in this line of work uh, somewhere between full-time and overtime the whole time for the past 15 years, and I have a degree in education. So uh, uh, I stare at this stuff. I'm a geek. And... and um, I've been talking about abracadabra since. I think yeah. I think it's the most well-recognized word on the planet. Universally speaking, you can go damn near anywhere and say abracadabra, and yeah. people have heard it, and they go to magic. Yeah, it's a exactly. sleeping giant. Yep, rabbit out of the hat. Yeah. Yep. It's interesting because there was a – I was telling the story this week. Aaron and I were coaching a bunch of high-level dudes in Gatlinburg, and – Somebody said, what do your tattoos say? And I said, well, the, the one just says limitless possibilities because my dad, uh, my dad just always used to say that to me. And, and I just wanted something that was a reminder that I'm the only person that limits me. The world can press on you as much as you want. Shit can happen to you. It doesn't mean that it, it passes through to the inside until you let it. And so then I had a, a coach who was very powerful and she would always say two different phrases at the end of her sentence. One would be abracadabra or she would go, and then we all die. And she would just coach <laughs> like that. She would, she, she'd stand up in front of like 50 people and then she'd go, do it, don't do it, worry about it, don't worry about it. And then you die. It's your call. How do you want to live your life? Because you're going to die. So in this moment, do you choose to go this way or this way? Either way, you'll die. That's the best part is you know that this inevitably happens, regardless of which way you choose, inevitably you will die. Not probably, inevitably. And then she would say something like, you know, somebody would, uh, would come up with a statement and she would say, abracadabra. And nobody in this entire class, like 200 people throughout this, this, this eight week course, I had to go to New York for this thing. Nobody asked her what that meant. And she, I saw she had it like tattooed like a snake around her arm. And one day I just went up to her and I said, Jocelyn, what, what is this tattoo you have? And what the hell do you keep talking about? Abracadabra? Were you doing like same thing? We pull rabbits out of a hat or, or, you know, were you going to bring a box out where you saw somebody in half? And she's like, abracadabra is ancient Sumerian for with these words I create. Now go figure it out. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, I started researching and looking it up and I found the triangulation thing. And I thought, you know what? I, I think that that with these words, I create limitless possibilities for myself. So I'm going to get abracadabra tattooed on my arm. And that's how we, that's how I came. Right. Just think about that. When, what's it, what was it? What's this woman's last name? Um, oh man, put me on the spot. Jocelyn. Um, I, I while we're going, I'll figure it'll it out. I have an email. That's from cool, her. dude. That's super She's amazing. Cool. She is amazing. She was, she was, I, I'm going to tell you that she was the most effective coach that I have ever been coached by. 
and I'm a coach and I'm a expert level, high level, big company coach. Like I've created a lot of cool shit out of my coaching business and my coaching expertise. And she probably is uh hermit uh i'm gonna now you're gonna now you're gonna make me think about it, it, it it'll happen in 10 minutes yeah yeah it's 10 minutes um so it's it's interesting because this concept and i want to get into your story so people can understand where you sure. come from because sure I, one thing i read on your one sheet that i love is that you have not had your name on a lease or a mortgage since 2002 and I think that's so cool, man. That's like my fantasy. I, I would just want to be out in the world exploring around. And I have two kids and a wife. So it just, that's the path that I chose. And, sure. you know, one day I'll do it in a million dollar RV or something crazy. Cool. You know, I'm down for RV life. Right. Yeah, man, I moved overseas in 2002. Um, so a little bit of the, the, the Mark England backstory. Uh, I'm a Virginia boy, born and raised Richmond, Virginia. My father was a small businessman. He started in 1980, and uh, he sold him sold him a little under a year ago. So he was in business for himself for 41 years. Uh, a chain of convenience stores, lucky convenience stores, hmm. and um, so I grew up in that entrepreneurial spirit. And you know, he was. Uh, he was a big guy, uh, athletic. He, he was from the most Western state, not that f most Western County in Virginia, not that far from Gatlinburg, probably hmm. 45 minutes max, maybe, yeah. maybe an hour. And, um, he got a scholarship cause he could run. He was a football player. And, um, yeah, so I grew up, uh, I grew up, uh, in, on, more, more, more up, more middle upper class, okay. uh, grew up on a golf course, had everything I wanted. It was a, uh, a, uh, a, a fun, very supportive childhood. There was some pressure, um, just cause that my father was my father and, um, my science teacher in the ninth grade, uh, uh, really liked the guy, Dick Overton. And he was also the wrestling coach and I wasn't big enough to play football well. And he goes, you know, you should come out for wrestling. And, uh, I was thinking to myself that I'll, I'll, I'll give that a shot. So I go out and, and I got a little knack for it. Uh, so I wrestled in high school, which led me to falling in love of, of falling in love twice on site in, uh, first time was when I got choked for the first time in a jujitsu class in 1996. Okay. Cause wrestling. Okay, cool. I pin you, you, you pin me good enough, but choking someone on the other hand, or, or taking, uh, their arm in a wrong direction and having yeah. them give up. That yeah. was, that just, that was just a, a, another level of cool. And so I got obsessed, got hooked, uh, had a handful of MMA fights in college, won a couple of state kickboxing titles. And in 2002 moved over to Bangkok, Thailand. Cause I thought I was a tough guy. Well, I needed to be a tough guy. So yeah, leading yeah. into, you know, the, the, the pain points and the, um, the victim mentality. I remember like it was yesterday, dude, it happened twice in the fifth grade, a couple of fights broke out on the playground 
And one of them, the first one was with Danny Potter and Michael Rios. And I ran the other way, dude. I ran the other way and that haunted me for, well, up until I got into, you know, what we call story work, looking at our stories and our, yeah. and our language. And why that, and, why did that, why that haunt you? Just cause you, you couldn't defend yourself or you couldn't like, I was scared. scared. I got scared. I got yeah. scared and I shouldn't be scared. Because, like any normal um, person. Yeah. Most people get scared about things sometime. And I just wanted to be like my dad, the biggest tough yeah. guy around. And since that wasn't the case. And then another time I, uh, uh, the kid at the roller skating rink, he, he tried to spit on me and I walked up to him and I kicked him as hard as I could right in the leg. He was bigger. And that dude kicked me about four or five times harder and gave me a stiff dead leg. And I went back to my mom crying. So I had these two examples of, of me being a chicken shit. And, um, that was in the back of my mind as I got a little bit older and started to mature and I thought to myself, well, that's not going to happen again because I'm going to go on the offensive. And that's what I did. Yeah. And um, you talk to any of my high school friends, I was, uh, I was, I made sure people were scared of me because I'm right. Because I'm not going to have that. Uh, um, I'm not going to be the nail anymore. So add on to that uh, some decent training and some fights and things. And so I'm, the, the plan was move over to Thailand, be there for a year, polish up my Thai boxing skills, come back and go pro. Cause all my friends were going either going pro or opening gyms. And, um, six months in I'm on the operating table, having my second knee surgery. Hmm. Right. And yeah. the, I remember, I remember this like it was yesterday too. The doctor said, uh, uh, he said, Mark, your career as a fighter is over. You could become a very good swimmer. And I'm, <laughs> I'm right. And I'm picturing, uh, swimming laps next to grandpa at the community pool. Not what I had in mind. Darkness right. descended. It absolutely descended. And, um, what, what was the insult to the injury is that, and it was a big deal at that time. I'd only had my passport for two years. Everybody in the fight community in Richmond, I had three going away parties. It was this big thing. And um, I used that fail as the final piece of damning evidence in the case that I had been making against myself secretly in the back of my mind for years that I was not good enough, that there was something wrong with me, and I was somehow doomed to fail. And I took that final piece of evidence. See, look here, bro, you went for it and this, you fell on your face massively. Here's the final piece of evidence that you're, well, like I said, you're, it's called a telephobia, the fear of not being good enough. It's got a name. And, um, I took that story and entrenched majorly a major victim mentality. So much so that I did not laugh for an entire year. I ended up living over there for 10 years. Other than it still sounds a little, a little strange to say. And I lived in Thailand for a decade, uh, five years uh, in Bangkok as an elementary school sports teacher and, and five years uh, on an island in the Gulf of Thailand on the beach, um, living in a hut, 
as a counselor at a, yeah. at a cleansing resort. A very, very interesting, cool gig. That's super cool. Uh, yeah, dude. I, my yeah. commute, my commute was 200, 200 yards on the beach. Love it. Because I was on the beach and the thing was on the beach just right down there. Um, second I wanna, time I fell in. Go ahead. I want to go back. I want to go back to something real quick before, before we go too far in. So I think what, what the audience is going to be, is going to wonder is, is about the story with your dad and the story you were telling sure. yourself that you'll never be good enough. And the, and like why, cause I got into fights in elementary school and I never thought to myself, I never want that feeling again. Like I never, I'll never let anybody push me around again. Like I never, I don't know why. I mean, I'm just giving you my, my experience, yeah, my story. Sure. I never thought about that. I thought I won't be able to beat, to, to get them physically. I can get them mentally and emotionally. So I learned mental and emotional manipulation. That was my, that was my, my jujitsu and, and wrestling. And right. So it, it's, I want to, I want to, I want to dive into that with you real quick. Cause for the audience listening, somebody's like, Hey, this story, I needed to match up to my childhood and understand why I do the things I do and why I talk to my wife, how I talk to her and my employees and myself. So let's just, let's dig, man. Let's dig into that. Cause that's really important at this moment. It was the interpretation. So it's yeah. not the stories that get us folks. It's yeah. the interpretation of the stories that, that we, it's not the, it's not the stories. It's the meaning that we assign to the stories. Right. right. And, um, it took me, it took me five years to get out of high school. I was in a special needs class in the sixth grade. Um, uh, my grades were poor all the entire time I was in regular education. So I didn't have the luxury of, I, I knew I wasn't going to outsmart anybody, but I, I'm going to outcool you and yeah. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be more aggressive than you are. So mm -hmm. those were, those were my coping strategies. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, and it, it, it worked ish, uh, up until that, that, about 2002, 2003, when, when, when the whole, when the, when the record really scratched. Yeah. What's interesting though, and I want to go back to this for a second is you say that, that additional piece of evidence when really the evidence is in the story and the context you're telling yourself, not necessarily an actual evidence because evidentially this is just a, a part of the process of your life. And I, and I want to really isolate that because for people listening there, there's no failure. There's no, there's no, there's no breakdowns where you just go into off to an Island and you just wait to die. Like there's, there's none of that stuff. Failure and having another knee surgery and ending your career is just a part of Mark's life's process. My dad calls it your life experience. It's your experience, man. That's not like that guy or anybody else in the world. They have a completely different plan and experience than you. Everything you go through is meant to happen to you for this other thing to open up. So at what point did you start to talk to yourself and, and change that narrative or that, that story around the context that you're just washed up and now it's over and you know, <laughs> <laughs> I did use those words washed sure, up. Sure. Sure. Uh, uh, and you know, I didn't have that, that, that piece of, I didn't have that level of wisdom. Yeah. You know, I was, I was just straight running, a hardcore victim mentality. Um, I mean, it, I've said it twice, might as well recite the definition. I'm, I'll take a little, little bit out of the middle. This is the verbatim definition of victim mentality. The victim mentality 
is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. That's an important part of this definition for our our conversation currently. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. So, like I said, a little bit out of the middle. That's the verbatim definition. That the, the last part of that first sentence, even in the absence of clear evidence. So, uh, based on how I was seeing things, seeing myself, um, uh, I was, I was, my reticular activating system was framing the whole thing as the failure of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I had the habitual thought process to back it up. I had the people to blame the guy that shouldn't have kicked me that hard when we were just warming oh, up. Yeah. Like all, like I, I had the villains, man. I had the villains. And then, and then my final villain was, um, just, just our, my genetics, which was, you know, I, I wish I was as good of a, uh, uh, an athlete is my father. Um, and yeah, it, it compounded itself. When did the self start? When did the self talk, um, shift? Well, uh, <laughs> an enlightened poop changed my life, man. If we can talk right. about that. Well, dude, we can talk about anything you want, right you on. Whatever, you, whatever language you want. Let's go. All right. Drop an F bomb, maybe an enlightened doo doo. So I'm I'm sucking at the game of life. I'm miserable. I'm how old were you, by the way? Forty five. No, how old were you? Oh, forty five. Uh, then um, twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. I want to paint that context for anybody that's like twenty nine, like I was, and had a very successful career in my twenties, and then lost my ass at twenty nine, and think, fuck, what the hell, man? You know, the, it's just a part of your story. So sorry, go keep going. All good, man. Um, so after a year of not laughing, I'm, I'm, I'm over it. I'm over myself. And I did, I, I was able to identify, dude, if the, if you keep, are you going to be complaining about this when you're 55? Yeah. And if you are, if you do that, then you really will be the loser that you're afraid of being Hmm. currently right now. So my, I was an, Elementary school sports teacher, like I said, at an international school in Bangkok, American curriculum, American calendar, super fun. And um, our vice principal had come back from this cleansing resort, this detox resort on the island of Koh Samui, the place that I referenced earlier. It's called the spa. And he goes, hey, man, I just went back, I went down there and did this three-day liver cleanse. And uh, there was just a bunch of yoga and and, and, and qigong, and they're all, everybody's talking about organic food and I think you'd really like it. And I thought about, and, and, uh, I was like, yeah, you know that I would give that a try. And he hands me a book called the Tao of health, sex, and longevity by Daniel Reed. And he goes, Hmm. they, they have formulated the, the, the process that they put people through based on this book. Okay. The owner and the guy that wrote this book, Daniel Reed, they're friends. So I'm over at the pool and, uh, so is Paul Marks, the guy that did the middle school sports, and it's free swim, and I'm thumbing through this book, and it's talking about diet based on traditional Chinese medicine. And what hooked me actually was the the first paragraph where it talked about the difference between traditional Chinese medicine and the current 
Western medical model, as yeah. in uh, you would pay the doctor while you were healthy. And when you got sick with anything, that's when he stopped getting paid. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm, think, I'm thinking to that's myself, really my simple person, me, Mr. Simple over here, I'm like, well, that that actually makes sense. Yeah. Why wouldn't so, it? Right? You're paying and a so doctor to keep you healthy. Like that may, actually, yeah. I've never heard of that. That makes perfect sense. That's what the entire traditional traditional Chinese medical model is, is, is built upon. Yeah. And they stop getting paid when you're sick. Imagine that. Uh, so guess what? They're going to do their best to get you healthy and keep you there. So I've thumbed through this book and they're talking about diet and exercise and um, sleeping hygiene, even though they weren't calling it that. And they're uh, meditation and acupuncture and energy, meridian line network and, and um, Taoist sexual practices and pooping. Hmm. And they showed someone sitting on a tr- on a Western toilet and how it just it, the the alignment is not there yeah. and all the things that happened because of that. And then they showed somebody squatting and how it was that's the alignment was it was everything was where it's supposed to be and then you're going to take great poops. And I'm thinking to myself, well, guess what? I've got to take a poop. So I go in to the bathroom. I tell Paul, watch the kids. I go in squat down on the toilet and take an amazing shit. So, One so of the put best your feet shit. up on the bowl? Yes. Okay. Yes. You, yep. You squat down. I'm trying down. today. I'm making a new commitment. I'm dude, trying this shit today. Dude, My wife's going to walk in and be like, the fuck are you doing? What are you t- <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to this weird guy from Virginia. And, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And look it up. There's a lot of literature I'm going to order that. Squatting. Uh, squatty potty. If you, yeah. if, if that's, um, it's about $15 piece of plastic that you, yep. it, it, so you don't have to squat totally, but it brings your feet up and it just yep. feels good. Dude, I took a, a monster shit, completely Complete empty, elimination. Yeah. Complete elimination. I yep. stood up and took this huge, big breath in for the first time. And it had been a long time because the, the victim mentality, that's another way of saying, uh, you're in a stress response. And if you're in a stress response, your breath is in your chest. And if your breath is in your chest, then let, then, I mean, if it's, it's, if it gets there and stays there, you're not going to like it no. for, uh, umpteen reasons. Anyway, big breath in everything looked brighter. I said, dude, I'm going, that's all I needed. So I went Love down it. there, did a cleanse, seven day cleanse, paid to not eat great gig. And, um, <laughs> Right. And I kept yeah. going back, man. Uh, my third time down there. So this is, this is, this is a story and an, a specific answer to your question. When did the dialogue change? So third trip down there, I went and watched, uh, I laughed at the name. There was this guy doing uh, an emotional detoxification workshop and me and all my quote unquote wisdom. I'm like, emotional detoxification. Uh, I went and I went though, thank God I did. And I watched this guy, Barry Musgrave, who is in 2003, who ended up being my first mentor. He talked about words and he talked about stories and he talked about identity, talked about breathing, stress states. And then he asked, does anyone have, uh, uh, anyone caught up in a story? You're not liking it. And this woman shot her hand up and it was a legit stinger of a breakup. This would have, this would have hurt anyone. He had her tell it three times. First time 
the the gist of the story is her and all her friends get a house down at the beach for a week. All her boyfriends and his friends get the house next door at the beach for a week. You can see where this goes. Add mm-hmm. alcohol, press play. You've got yep. a, a, a TV show. You got a circus. Yep. And one of those nights, he hooks up with her best friend in front of everybody. Oh boy. And then, and then it gets worse. And then dumps her the next night in front of everybody. Can we all say "ouch" on three? Yeah. And um, like I said, three times played it through. First time she's cry, just let her go, crying, t- angry. A lot of she was just a lot of heat in the face, taking the whole thing super personal. Second time, of course, of course, of course. I'm not lovable. I'm a loser. I'm not sexy. Oh yeah, of course. Like the greatest, the 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 not so greatest hits. Uh, Second time through, he said, "Tell the story again." And he had her slow it down a little bit, and he started tinkering with some of the language. Yeah, a couple of the key words, and now she's sad. No tears. Third run through, he stopped her at the Lord of the Rings sentence, was which was the one that was holding the whole thing together, forcing her to make the victim villain mental imagery and take it personal all at the same time. Lovely stuff. And that sentence was, he did that to me. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he had to repeat it. He did that to me. He looked out in the crowd. Did everybody hear what she just said? And he said it again for effect. So three days. He did that to me. And he said that last word. Take that out and put in himself. And she had to think about it. Because it was such a radical departure from sure. her. The story that she had been telling herself the whole yeah. time. That narrative, yep. And it was clunky. And it went up at the end with some up talk. He he did that to himself, and then it yeah. catches. Clue. Yep. The breath releases, and then she talks herself into that, and another, and, and a very different angle on the story. She goes, she he did, he did do that to himself, and she's not even in the room anymore. She's just looking around in her imagination, <laughs> I and love she it. starts right, and and she um, and 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 finally she goes, you know, that was never going to work out anyway. The guy was actually pretty weird. And she'd been chewing on that thing for four years. And I saw that and I said, that's not my story, but that's my story. And um, I'm very, to use some cheesy words, beyond grateful for this work. Because I I was a, half of it was I was just bored, right? The other half is I don't want to sit in a chair as a child for hours on end. I mean, newsflash, what kid wants to do that? Right. So couple that with boring content and yeah. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a monster. Are you also the guy that had to be like when when Mark walks into a room, people are like, I'm not fucking with that guy. Like your energy rolls into a room first and, and you are always right and you are always the the guy that knows something or like you know, like that that's your identity. Was that what it was before that? Pretty damn close. Yeah. I had this yeah. big ass 1993 Jeep Sahara Wrangler jacked up, huge <laughs> tires, cut the exhaust pipe off it. Uh, n- no, in, in oh, high dear. school. 
Yeah. I, I started to mellow up once I moved overseas. It also helped because I knew that no matter how, and I knew this going over there. I just didn't want to admit it to myself. No matter how good I get over there, these Muay Thai Thai boxers from Thailand will whip that ass, bro. Okay, yeah. so you you are you'll always be low uh, uh, low food chain over yeah. there. I mean, because these guys, these guys, these guys start when they're five, right? Or or younger, yeah, or younger, and they yeah, they, they never whip, tell you their age. Six. Yeah, they just show you. They just show you how high, how tall they were when they started training and what right. that entails. It's not going to karate three times a week. It's they go live at the gym, train as in leave their home, train twice a right. day and have one day off. And they do that from five, six, seven, eight, and eight till yeah. early twenties. So it's not, it's like, what was- and there's some dangerous motherfuckers over there, bro. Yeah, sure. Like n- not just it, not just the it's tie, their life. Like the, it like their yeah. life's on the line. Whereas you you are perceived life on the line. Let me ask you something. What was your what was your your statement? Your my identity stay safe with this statement. And I want and I'm saying this because I want the audience to really pick this out. I I have an idea of what your statement is because I'm going to tell you mine as well. What was your statement that you? walked into a room or driving the Jeep or even, even going overseas, what was the statement that like, you know about it now? It was probably unconscious though. Or if it were conscious, it came out. Let, let me give you a context. Let me give you a context. Sure. Yeah. So I had the uh, Jocelyn Herman Saccio, by the way, that's her name. What a great Jocelyn name. Herman Saccio. One of the greatest coaches I've ever had. I mean, she oh, was her, okay. so yeah. fucking good. The girl from Landmark in New York. Yep. Yep. So further on in my, in my coaching, this is 2017. Somebody says to me, what's your power phrase? And I said, I don't, I don't, what are you talking about? And they said, what do you tell yourself to keep yourself, um, keeping moving forward or safe or, uh, or just to blow something off because you need to move on because you can't care about stuff too much. And I said, Oh, I thought about it for a while and I said, oh yeah, my, my, uh, you know, my power statement would be, uh, fuck it. It doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. Fuck that. Whatever. You, you can't figure it out. I'll figure it out because I had to remain in power and kind of like, kind of like that guy did to that girl replaced these pieces in the sentence. Mm-hmm. He had me say this, fuck it. It doesn't matter a hundred times in front of a group of 35 people. This was a high level coaching. So all these people knew some shit and they were judging the hell out of me. And I was feeling their judgment. It was ripping my skin off. And 50 times in, he goes, now go another 50. And I go another 50. And he says, now point at me and say, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Pointing at me. And I said, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, fuck it, it doesn't matter. And he goes, 50 times, 50 times. And he goes, now point at you and say, I don't matter. And I fucking broke down. I lost it, dude. I absolutely lost it. That guy knew exactly what he was doing. Neil, he, he got me wide open. And he goes, for your entire life, every time you say, fuck it, it doesn't matter, you're saying, I don't matter. I'm not good enough. I can't figure this out. I, I'm not going to let somebody show me anything. I'm going to get out of here. Or I'm going to figure it out so nobody can get something over top of me. And that's what my power statement was. So I'm like, I'm really curious as to what your power statement was with that context that you were protecting yourself with. 
before I moved to Thailand? Yeah. I was just, I was obsessed with being the cool guy, man. I was obsessed with being the cool guy. It was, it was, I thought about that shit all day, every day. And anybody thinks about something that they want to become that much, uh, you know, it's a compensation. You know, I was uh, scared of being a, 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 a dork or, um, unpopular or, uh, laughed at any of those things were were enough to like use your words rip my skin off sure so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get ahead of that yeah it was like nobody nobody's nobody's getting through this nobody's getting through this exterior here man nobody's getting through yeah it's interesting like i i and i say that because i had, I had a friend who was so similar to you like exuding confidence like you walk into a room and you're like that fucking guy that guy knows his shit he knows everything about everything right now. I just know it, you know, and you, you inside you're like, how oh, I hope the room likes me. I fucking hope they, I hope they don't see through this shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I've been in rooms like that where I'm, I'm thinking, I hope they don't see the fraud that I am. Oh my God. If they find out I'm going to, I'm going to melt into the ground. So I, I want to point that out for the audience because although you and I talked this, this great game, like where we came from was uh, levels of insecurity that everybody feels like to a certain degree and fear and pain sure. and you know and so i want to make this really really solid argument that you and i are not are not brandishing the words abracadabra because we thought it looked cool and when we were on vacation in mexico <laughs> you know like we're we, we we're, we're rolling we're rolling with this understanding because it could be life-altering if you allow it to be you know, it's the words the most, that you talk to yourself and to, and to out, it, it will change your whole world. I, I literally, my life is the result of what I started speaking six years ago into the universe and the way I spoke it and the words I eliminated from my vocabulary and would never speak again. And sometimes they come out because we're human and we've been programmed and I catch them very quickly and, and, and move them. Gun to head. Not even gun to head. It's the most important thing I've ever learned. It's the most important yeah, skill I've ever developed is is to pay attention to my language, you know, my internal dialogue and my external dialogue, what I think, what I say, and what I write. And we um, – I'll speak confidently about people coming up in the public school system. So I came up in the public school system. And like I said, I've got a degree in education on either, neither side of that fence. Did I have one course class or conversation on how my language influenced me for better and for sure. worse sure. or how to use my words to stay focused on what's important, keep the drama low, build myself up in my imagination instead of creating this, um, this, this loser and then trying to you know spray paint a turd as we say in the South. <laughs> right. I get that. I totally get that. I mean, a victim mentality technically is all in the words and the story that you're telling yourself about what happened. You know, like I, I literally from, from that woman, that's the first time I ever learned that the story that I'm telling myself based on something that happened in my life or an event or something that took place in front of me is all up to me. Audience. I'm talking to you. Don't 
take that lightly. Don't take that lightly because what happened to you simply happened. And the story you tell yourself is the story you tell yourself. And it is, it is changing the trajectory of your life literally moment by moment as you perpetuate that story, as you continue to tell yourself that story, whether it's I'm not good enough or I was never smart enough or I couldn't get into that college, my parents don't like me or they're disappointed or that girl broke up, whatever it is, whatever happened and the story you subsequently tell yourself is what your life is, is the result of. Would you agree with that, Mark? Very much so. And, yeah. and those, those statements, those belief systems, which is a expensive word for opinion, ideas, you know, those aren't facts. You know, if we, if we take a look at the, at Webster's definition of identity, so the fact of being who or what a person is, I dispelled this quite easily uh, in a presentation we gave once upon a time. I asked the audience, do you see yourself differently in any way now than when you were five? And it's such a ludicrous question that it just immediately elicited a a, a, a round of, of, of laughter. And, you know, our, our identity, the main drivers, like you mentioned, those, those statements, those aren't facts. You know, I'm not going to find nothing ever works out for me on the periodic table of elements <laughs> or... Uh, you know, you can't trust women is not a unit of measurement, right? Those are, those are opinions folks. And uh, those are ideas and people change their mind all the time. And, uh, I'll say to get gun to head, the fastest, those are spells. Those are spells by definition. Webster's not mine. Webster's definition of a spell is a word or a combination of words of great influence. That's it. And it goes both ways. They can be constrictive spells or they can be expansive spells. I can do this quick. You know, I got a couple good stories uh, about a, a constrictive spell and an expansive spell. Uh, this is a while ago. This woman walks in and she was um, very forthcoming. She sat down, very self-aware, sat down, said, I'm struggling in my marriage. My husband thinks I'm attractive. I refuse to believe him. I know where it's coming from. I just don't know what to do about it. And I said, tell me more. Oh, by the way, we wrote wrote this story down. First things first. Let's get the damn thing on paper. Make it easy yeah. on everybody. So here's the backstory. She She's 10 years old. She walks into her grandmother's kitchen in the, in the back parents they pull up for christmas they walk in the back door in the kitchen as soon as she gets in the door her great aunt is standing right there and goes ma you have a big nose just like me Hmm. i put a spell on you (laughs) little girl locked her up ran into the bathroom what do you think the first thing she looked at when she got in the her nose, which of course is no bigger now, then than it was five seconds ago, but in her imagination, she's got a honker. And so her reticular activating system, her RAS, it's the it's the thing that finds things and edits things out. We can talk about that if you want. Mm-hmm. I'm sure your audience likely knows about it because I know. Well, you actually, know you know what? Let's let's tell them real quick what the RAS is. 
It's the thing that you bet you buy a car and you start seeing that car all over the place. You're like, where the hell are these cars coming from? That's the reticular activating system. It's the, um, you, you, all of a sudden you hear a noise and it's annoying and now you can't stop hearing it. That's the reticular activating system. Someone tells you something surprisingly good about someone and it changes how they look in your imagination. And then the next time they, you you walk into a party and you see them in your extra hat, that's the particular activating system. So it has a search function. It's got an edit function. If you want a great book on that and the invisible gorilla, that's the most popular social psychological study done on the reticular activating system. So it has a search function. It's got an edit function. So when you were picking, you, you buy the Subaru Forester and when you're, you start seeing Subaru Foresters out and about, that's the search function. While it's finding more of those Subarus, it's editing out blue vans and red uh, red Volkswagen Beetles because it's not the thing you're looking for. Confirmation bias. Look that up. And so she she looks in the mirror, deems herself ugly. The reticular act, and it's impartial. It'll do whatever you want, whatever it's programmed to do. Oh, okay, you're ugly. Great. I'm going to go find all the other flaws and any contrary information. I'm going to edit that out. Yeah. Just, just pimp hand it right out of the way. So you can yep. see how this would happen. You know, her husband's like, damn, baby, you look good. And she's, she's like, you don't really mean that. You, that's going to get in the way. Better. Yeah. You're just trying to make me Dude. feel. Yeah. So that's a, uh, uh, my, you have a big nose, just like me. That's a combination of words that greatly influenced her. Definitely. That's the, by definition of spell. Okay. And, 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 and it's to get, it's constrictive. It creates the, the density. It takes up the mental imagery, activates the traps of breath in the chest. And then, then the thing really gets going. Fortunately, there's another side of the street. And this, this, I thought this to share this story when you, uh, uh, mentioned what your dad used to tell you. Yeah. So 2014, I'm given a presentation. Um, this guy's setting up a booth right next to me. I'm done. He comes up, he says, Hey man, that was a great, that was a great talk. You want to hear a a cool story about that. Who says no to that, by the way, cool stories. No, keep those away. Uh, and he goes, I, I, I forget how old I was, maybe 11, maybe 12. My grandfather took me out in the backyard and I forget the guy's name, little Davy, call him Dave, David, I guess little Davy. His grandfather goes, little Davy, life's wild. There's going to be twists and turns and zigs and zags and ups and downs, and you're going to get some things right. And you're going to get some things wrong. Just always remember to err on the side of being a badass motherfucker. Wow. And he said, Grandpa dropped an F-bomb on him. He said, in that moment, my life changed. He said, I looked up, things are looking up. And he said, I saw myself in my imagination as capable and I felt confident. I felt bigger. Like I actually grew. And he said, um, he said, you know, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've also gotten a lot of stuff, right? I go after what I want and I like being me. And I thought to myself, well, you know what? There it is right there. That's it. Simple shit. And, um, and that's a good example of an expansive spell. So we're spelling on ourselves a lot. And when the more we learn about what words to use less of and why, and what words to use more of and why, and that our identity, it's not a fact. It's not the fact of being who or what a person is. Our identity, it is a 
It's an ongoing, fluid, flexible process, and we're participating in that. Most people's language, it tricks people into being innocent bystanders in their life. It tricks them to being in the, in the a spectator in the stands. Nah, man, you want to get in the arena. You want to take some losses. You want to get some wins. You want to, you want to, you want to go out of here. Cause guess what? Your girl is right. Nobody's no. getting out alive. That right there says memento mori, which means remember you will die. This is yeah. not the trial run folks. We're in the middle of it. And you want to go out with some good stories. You want to share some good stories. Um, have an adventure, man. Talk about a word that most people are deficient in in their language. Adventure? Uh, adventure, dude. Become more you know adventurous person. Yeah. You know what's really interesting is the um, I, the amount of spells that are com- that are all around you all the time, every day. And I want to yeah. point that out because it's not just what your grandfather says to you when you're younger or what you're you, – you know, my, my mom when I was uh, – and I was 29, I was getting my real estate license. Fuck, that was 10 years ago. Crazy. And my mom, just to protect me, right, said, hey, uh, I don't know if that's such a good idea. You're not really that good at math and you're not a good test taker. So it's probably not the right, it's not the right world for you. And instantly my brain was like, oh, she might be right. And then the, the defiant side of my brain went, well, I'll fucking show her. And that's luckily the one that won. However, think about it, mom and dad, public school, any school, really, um, church, marketing and advertising, social media feeds, other people's idea of bullshit going on. There are programs and spells that it's like a, it's like a, a, like a witch's brew. It's all around us all the time. You have got to be in control of what you allow in and what you allow out and how you talk. And, and this weekend when I was, or this week, we called it a week front when I was in Gallenberg, we, um, cause we usually do weekend retreats Thursday through Sunday or Thursday through Monday. Mm-hmm. And this one was a Sunday through Thursday. So we called it a week front, but at this week front, I was saying to people, I'm very particular with who gets my time and my mind share. And so they were asking me like, what specifically? And I said, well, you know, on Wednesday when I got my haircut before I came down here, like I'm very specific when I moved to Los Angeles, I, I, I was trying to find a barber and I want to make sure that the hour I sit in this guy's chair, I'm not getting spells and programs from some loser. You know what I mean? Let's not, let's not, let's not play games. I'm sitting in a chair for an hour. If this guy wants to talk to me about reality shows and court TV and what's going on with Johnny Depp and his bullshit, I don't want my mind share being taken up by that. If I'm in control of it, I'm going to be in control of it. And so I created this dating profile, which I create dating profiles for everything. It's not what you think it is. And if you want to know what a dating profile is in our world, go to our mental purpose community. We give one away for free, by the way, audience. And I met this dude. And within the first five minutes, the guy goes, bro, have you got, you got any good personal development podcast that you'd recommend to me? Yeah, mine. And And I look at him and I go, I, I have a personal development podcast for men. And he goes, sick. I will download it right now. Pulled his phone out, downloaded it. And we started talking about personal development. This kid does not play Harold. Shout out to you, brother. When you, I know you're going to be listening to this. Like this kid does not play. That's just a small example of how I'm watching what I'm giving my mind share to. And I'm, and I'm, I'm understanding of the environment that I'm, that I'm subjecting myself to 
with the type of spells that will be around me. That shit is everywhere. Let's put this out there. And we'll see if you agree to this or with this. If you don't have the results you want in your life, it's because of the stories that you're telling yourself and that you're allowing to just ruminate. Look there first. Definitive. Look there first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's other aspects after that for sure. They look will there, hinder look you there first the and second. Yeah, <laughs> they will hinder you from taking the action. They'll hinder you from making the decision. They'll hinder you from whatever. That is that is primary. That's primary. And it's crazy. It's just words. It's just a story. And it's freaking made up. Squiggles and sounds, man. Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. They run it. Want to want to play a language game? Please. Your your audience is me, uh, mostly men or, or all men. It's actually sixty five sixty five percent women. Interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. This is not for men. This is uh this is just me interviewing other men about their stories and you know the their way they got their through their shit and how they became successful. And by the way, success isn't money only. It's 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 a hundred different aspects and measurements. So I just want to I want to make that real clear to everybody. It's not just money. I'm not talking to Mark because he's worth fifty million dollars, which I don't know if you are worth fifty million. Even if you were or weren't, it doesn't matter. I'm talking to you because of language, not your financial status. I don't care sure. about that shit. Yeah, sure. So I was thinking. Of, I was thinking about your base based on uh, the the name of your show, Men on Purpose, and and. Uh, we play. We've done a couple of. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give us some credit for a couple of things we've done well within Lifted. So uh, uh, we have we've done a good job of demystifying the conversation about stories, words, and stories and identity, and also gamifying it. So we got a lot of language games that we play, and you know, turns out when people people like playing games and yeah. when they're having a little bit of fun with something, it makes it easier to learn. I mean, wow, what a, what an interesting, what so a here's a language game. It's rocket science. Uh, here's a language game that will tie a lot of the stuff that we've spoken about so far together and be um, relevant and relatable to your audience. Cause I, I would imagine that, you know, the, the women listening to this, no men, know some men, and some of those men are fathers. So the sentence is, how many times have you heard this, Ian? I just want to be a good father. Hmm. Way too much. Way too much. I just want to be a good father. You got a, you got a pen. Write, write mm-hmm. that down. So we'll, we'll take that. We'll take it one word at a time. I've heard that a lot, man. And most of the time when I'm hearing it, it's it's got a pleading, self-deprecating energy to it, and people. It's victim. Men, men victim. Yeah, it, it, exactly. It's yeah. It, men beat themselves on the head. I just yeah. want to be a good father. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna play the one-word game, folks. We're gonna take some words out one at a time, put some words in, and see what happens. Okay, so take take your take your pen, your magic wand. Ian, and scratch out the word just. And if y'all are listening and negation acknowledge, not driving, you got a pen and piece, write this sentence down because 
uh, a lot of times you'll feel this stuff. And as the old saying goes, he who feels it knows it or she who feels it knows it. And if, if you're a woman listening to this and you take out father and put in mother. So we, we wrote that he scratched out the word just now. What do we got? I want to be a good father. What happened when we took out the word just for you? Well, it's, it, it opens up possibilities. The, the word just, I feel is a, is a limiting word to a, a specific instance or some or a specific situation. Yeah. It's drama, drama yeah. language, just, yeah. uh, Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Uh, so we've got, I want to be a, a good father, which technically it's called a presupposition. And one of the reasons, or, or a faux positive, um, I want to be a good father presupposes that I'm not because mm. I want to be that. And so if I want to be that, then I'm not that. So like there's, there, yeah, there's the, there's the self uh, uh, deprecation oh. there. And, and also, good is a rough metric, turns yep. out. It's a rough metric. So scratch out the word good and put in fun. Okay. Now read that. I want to be a fun father. Which do you prefer, fun, good, or fun? Fun. Well, good uh, has too. no context. Good is good is good is. Granted, fun has a uh, you know different context to it too. However, good is mediocre at best, and it has no upside. Fun has well, we can play in the backyard or we can go bungee jumping. You know, like fun has a levels. Good really doesn't have a level. Dude, we're so on the same page. Fun, <laughs> fun. You can get fun on the calendar. It's hard to get good on the calendar. Everybody knows when they're having fun, right? And yeah. what I've found is, um, and so I have two nieces, I don't have any children. What I decided early on is I'm going to teach these two little ninjas kickboxing from the, right from the go. And, and I'm also going to be fun. We're going to go do fun things. And yeah. what I've found is that having something specific, the 10 year old, she's about to get her black belt. The, um, both of them, this might sound strange, but they both started when they were six months old. As in, I would put them on my lap, their heads bobbing around. They have no idea what's going on. And I'd take their hand and I'd just go like this on my hand. And I did that so they would not know when they started. So they would say, well, I, I've just been doing this my whole life. Yep. And um, and the 18-year-old, the you know, so we get together. We've got a skill that we can practice. And, and then we go to the arcade. Okay. Or we go play laser tag, or we go, um, we watch UFCs together. You know, they have a favorite fighter, Valentina Shevchenko, one of my favorite fighters too. Yeah. Uh, Uzbekistan bitch. That, that bitch is badass. Anyway, uh, you can get fun on the calendar. So we went from, let's backtrack a little bit or re review. I just want to be a good father, or I just want to be a good mother to I want to be a good father, to I want to be a fun father. Now put the word more in front of fun. Got it. I want to be a more fun father. Well, it's specificity now. Specificity. And let's keep going. Put the word even in front of more. 
now you're giving yourself credit for what you've Thank already you. done and you're leveling up. Nailed it. Of course. Yeah. That's the whole point. You can use your words to, in the reticular activating system, I just want to be a good father. That's going to block out all of the things that you're doing well right now, which is plenty. Probably, uh, yeah. Make you feel like shit mm-hmm. and then make it hard for you to pinpoint what good would be. Like I said, it's a bad metric. Yeah. I want to be an even more fun father. Yeah. Now that gives me credit for all the fun, the things I'm doing well right now, which is that's the foundation of what you got, which you're already doing well right now. And then you can build upon that. Oh, guess what? It's also known as momentum. Well, if I'm already doing this now, then you know, camping two weeks from now, let's just go ahead and get that on the calendar. And you, it, it makes you action prone. Right. The other one yeah. makes you inaction prone. It makes so much sense. And it's so simple. People I think are looking for this, this miraculous. I mean, the, the people that come to our events, they understand that the formula needs to change. Like the, the yeah. foundation of our work is the formula just doesn't work. It's not that you're wrong or you're bad. It's just that with your programming, your language, your mindset, your beliefs, that formula no longer works to get you a certain result that you're looking for. It got you the result as to what you have today, yet you don't have the result you truly want or desire. So we just have to tweak the formula. That's all. We've got to, we've got to figure out what's going on. We've got to eliminate some shit. We've got to calibrate in some new stuff and then acceleration happens. Our formula is eliminate or illuminate, eliminate, calibrate, accelerate. Acceleration happens naturally when the other three pieces of the formula are dialed in and serving of you, right? He listened to that language, not right, not wrong. They're serving of where you're going. They're, you know, aligned. Then it happens. You know, what's really interesting is, um, that's a good formula, by the way. That's simple. Thank you. Thank you. I've been working on that for a, a long time. Cause remember, I'm not good at math. And I'm not a good test taker, according to the language of my mom, who was just trying to protect me. So I figured out that I loved math when it was formulaic and when it actually did something for me. And by the way, any mathematicians listening to this or anybody who loves math, don't get weird. It's not that I don't like math. It's just that algebra or, you know, calculus and shit like that. It doesn't work in my world, not in a crazy ADD, massively defiant coach's world. It works in formulaic sense. And I love that. And I go, you know what? There's not unlimited, there's unlimited variables. Yes. And I can control them in a, in a formula. And if I can control them for me, I can help someone else control them so that they don't think that it's just out there in the wilderness somewhere that they're going to find an answer. Let's find an answer through this formula. Stay right in this box. Stay right here. So that's, that's, that's super cool. You know, what's interesting is the same thing happened. Uh, years ago, I said to a mentor, I I just want to stick with shit, man. I just want to follow through. I just want to stick with shit. And he's like, what does that mean? And I said, I want to stick with things. I don't stick with things. And he goes, who programmed you on that one? I said, my mom told me that I like to quit things and try other things. And he goes, why isn't that a good thing? And I said, well, I think it is for some reason it seemed to not be. And he goes, I let's, let's pop your theory balloon right now. Let's, let's figure out 10 really important things that you have stuck with and not quit. And I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. So in that language, I was severely defeating right myself, severely victim language. Oh, poor me. I don't stick with anything. I'm such a loser. I'm such a victim. 
When in fact, I've had the same car, house, wife, children, you know, like I stuck with a lot of stuff, business, stuck with a lot of stuff. And as we started to mount that evidence, my story started to change. And so that's one of the biggest things that I teach people is, and I'm sure you do too, like there has to be evidence that outweighs the stupid story you're telling yourself, right? We call it the crazy theory. Put your crazy theory out. I'm not good enough. I don't stick with things. I'm not a good father. And then jack in the real, the real evidence, the real evidence. Like if you're, if you're beating your kids, you put that as evidence. Yet if you're just not coming home on time to get them to bed and you want to be a better father, that's not real evidence. That's like the next step. You now know you need to change that as a metric, right? Would you agree with that, Mark? Like just, it's a metric. So if you know that you're registering as not a good father because you'd like to come home and put them to bed and do dinner, then, then now you just change the metric, which means you change your schedule, which means you change your understanding of what you need to do that day and what's important to you. If that other thing is now more important in your world, that's a formula. Change the first two things, they equal a little bit here, change the way you have to you know, leave your office or you don't take clients at 7 p.m., you drive home a little earlier for traffic, and now you are home, which equals, and I, I feel it like I am a better dad. I'm being a better dad because that metric is now being hit. Simple, right? Simple enough. Formulaic. I mean, you said it. You know, uh, uh, a couple tweaks here, change some stories there. What you're taught when when you said, uh, you know, your mom said you're not good in math. My mind went straight to John Kirschmeyer, hmm. who owned Quagmires, which was the super coolest uh uh restaurant on the outer banks in north carolina and i remember this like it was yesterday went up into his office uh after after a, a shift to see where he was going what, what, what party he was going to afterwards and he's sitting there counting a fat stack of cash and yeah. he goes he just I, I i asked him and he looked up at me and he goes you know, I was never good at math, but I can count a stack of fucking twenties. And I was like, <laughs> I <love> it, man. <laughs> "Dude, yeah, dude, well, simple." What's the context though of not good at math, right? What's the context? So the context is somebody says not good at math, and the context is massive. Yeah, could it, is it algebra? Is it trigonometry? Is it geometry? Is it simple addition? Is it right. um? You know, is it your taxes? Like, it's there's a uh, there's a lot that math in count, uh, uh, covers for him. I would imagine nine ninth grade through twelfth grade math, which yeah. I, I didn't give a shit about that either. I was horrible at that. Me neither. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see where it applied to my life as I envisioned it for the future. Mm. And my teachers in, in high school seemed to want to put a story in my head like, if you, you don't this. take this seriously, you'll be a loser forever. One of my teachers, one of my math teachers in high school said, you know, you, you need to learn this because you're not going to walk around with a calculator in your pocket. 
<laughs> Party right. har har woman. Yes, right. I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's funny how many people are bad at math. Like when I was in real estate, when you could cal- they could calculate that commission like it was nothing. No calculator needed. And Dude. you couldn't, you know, they, they couldn't do math to get themselves out of like to save their life. They could calculate commission very Because it meant something to them. There was, there yeah, was skin the in the game. There was something, yeah, something at stake. stake. So the same thing with my dad. Like he, he would remember the, the percentage on a loan and what, and, and what month it was signed. Any year that you asked him about any of his properties. Interesting. You know, yeah. I, I barely got out of school. I mean, that's true for so many people. Like, I want the audience to not take this episode lightly. This this is what runs your life most of the time. And that's not a story I'm telling you. That's backed by evidence. <laughs> you Google that one, folks. He's Or don't even Google it. You just trust him. He's right. Listen, the story yeah. that you tell yourself to yourself about yourself is one of the very most powerful forces in your life. Go ahead and Google that. And yeah. I mean, and it, to say that it's, it's, it's not consistent, it's constant, it's relentless. It's, it's usually, it's usually how people recognize they're awake. You know, it's not like you get up and take a piss and drink some water and then you start thinking. No, it's it ha- it starts. You start registering words before your eyeballs are open, and it's usually the last thing that you register before you go to sleep. And guess what? It's ticker taping the whole way through your day, and that's just in yeah. your head. And c- circle back to something that you said. People with these, the, my problems are so big. It's. It's very easy to fall into the trap thinking that the solution to our problems, which we're very good at making big and huge, uh, that the solution to these big, huge problems is equally as big and huge when actually, no, most of the time, it's a tweak to the formula, leaving work an hour earlier, not taking clients at seven and making these small fine tuning adjustments to, uh, to put you in better and better position. And then you, you dial it in like artillery. Yeah. Okay. A little bit of time, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But here's the thing, the reason why our, our coaching business and our curriculum is so successful, not only in its effectiveness during a coaching session in its sustainability after the coaching session is because it's, it's not about big giant leaps. It's about small little tweaks that don't have emotion locked into them. You don't feel like this is the way to do it today or feel like this is the way it's very logical. If you want to spend more time with your, if you want an hour more with your kids at night and you feel that that will make you a better father, you think that'll make you a better father or a, a, a you know, a more fun father, whatever it might be then logically you have to buy an hour back. You can't feel like buying an hour back and then feel like you didn't do it and then feel like it couldn't happen and feel like a failure. That's the story. You, you take action and you go and find an hour, use your words, communicate with your boss, communicate with your wife, communicate with your neighbor who bugs you every time you get home and wants to talk because they have nothing going on. Like, and then you find the hour. And then you be, then you become the person or evolve into the person that says, holy shit, I now could find the hour. I'm empowered. My kids just got another hour of me. I, I'm a better father. 
repeat tomorrow. Oh, that formula works. It's so simple. Yet we just, everybody that we, not everybody, the majority of people that we come across are so emotionally driven from the fucking, like you're saying, the moment their eyes open, here we go again. Oh, fucking raining out. Get ready for this day. You know, like that's, that's, that's how a lot of people start their day. Don't talk to me until I have coffee as a fucking story. It's a story. <laughs> like think about it, dude, we need to do another episode where we just name stories that people run their life by and, and then just let the audience just like be called to it. I'm easy to get on a podcast, bro. I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to book another one. We're going to okay. book another one. Yeah. So dude, we're at, we're in an hour, 12 minutes. <laughs> we got to. We got to wrap. You and I could, we could shoot the shit all day. Yeah, we could. This was fun. This was a lot Very. of fun. I, I, I love where your mindset's at. I love the, the, our, 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 the, the abracadabra, you know, mix and, and, uh, similarity. Um, yeah, it's cool, man. It, you know what it, you know what it, it, it confirms for me is the, the way I, I let my Raz run for podcast guests. Like I get a, I get 50 requests a week and I only take like two is is I, I, tr I trust my gut reaction when I read a, a one sheet. I give five, it's, by the way, for anybody trying to get on this podcast or anybody else, I give five seconds to a one sheet. If there's not something on there that catches my attention that I know will associate, my audience will associate with growth or, or like something that they need, it's gone. Like it's that fast. And I get a hundred a week. So you get five seconds. And yours, it was very quick, very, very quick. And so that's how I don't tell my story about how if I, oh, if, I, if I get rid of this one, what if the audience would want that? I trust my gut. It's very rarely wrong. It's that Malcolm Gladwell blank shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is. So, dude, this has been great. I really like that game. I think I might incorporate that into some of my dude, trainings. Take it. It's, it's take really it. great. Yeah. Yeah. Take it. Uh, where can people find you? At Enlifted Coaches on Instagram. We run a certification. So we certify coaches in how to dismantle the victim mentality. It's, it's very niche. The The website for that is enlifted.me. And we've got a, a, a podcast, which I'm going to – I do not host it. So I'm one of the co-founders of Enlifted. Yeah. Um, and the head coach have been lifted. I deliver all the certifications, all the trainings, all that stuff. Um, our podcast is called Get In Lifted, the Get In Lifted podcast. It's for coaches. Um, and we focus, as you can imagine, a lot on the words and the stories and, and strategies. Uh, Kimberly, our former community manager, she runs that. I'm going to pitch you to come on there because that, that would be a Please. fantastic, fantastic interview if you're available. Um, those are three places. So Instagram, the website, and our, our podcast. Enlifted.me. Yeah. Got it. Sweet, man. And the podcast, tell me the podcast again. Enlifted, I just blanked on it. Yeah, getting lifted. You got it. Getting lifted, right, right. All right. Mark England, this has been fun, man. Great meeting you. Dude, it has love been. The, love the synergy, and right. uh, let's let's figure out what what else we can do together. I, I was thinking the same thing, man. Uh, next time I'm in SoCal, I'm gonna track you down, bro. 
please take you out. I do. I, I know you will track me down. I'll see like I'll see some. I'll see you walking up my my drive here and go, what the fuck? That guy really did track me down. <laughs> I love it. Nectarine Grove, Encinitas. Okay, when is that? Fantastic restaurant. Our next oh, trip oh, oh, to SoCal. Oh, I thought it was an event. Oh, Nectarine Grove, the restaurant. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've got they got the goods going on there. Encinitas. Oh, down San Diego and like down south. Oh, that, pardon me. You said you said Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, Venice. I, I lived at I lived on the canals for a year. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, dude. I'm I'm like my my hat says Dogtown, Venice, Death <laughs> to Invaders. Love it. Love this fucking hat, man. You're the real deal. You are the real deal. Uh, we all have our moments. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. This has been awesome, man. Let me, um, well, thank you for, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Really Dude, my pleasure. You. Great way to, to uh, round out the week. Um, yeah. Kick-ass podcast. And um, I'll just go ahead and say this. Everybody, l- l- listen to Ian. Because the guy knows his angles and he knows his he knows his stuff. I'm a snob when it comes to uh, <laughs> coaching and coaching. Uh, uh, we'll just call it curriculum. Pres- uh, 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 um, perspectives, and you're. I, I I can I already know that you get fantastic results for your clients. We do, man. I'm very proud of that. Really fulfilling for us. Yeah. I appreciate that. Really kind words that I don't take lightly. That story, I'll take it all. Take it right in. Dude, there's stories you want. There's stories we want. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Mark, thank you. Audience, thank you. If you stuck it out this far, thank you. And, um, Make sure you uh, hit us with a a five-star review. If you like this podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen. And then we'll catch you on the next one.